it is the last day in our Holy Spirit series. And, and I just, as I've been preparing this message, I've been thinking, how do you say goodbye to a series on the Holy Spirit? This is our 14th and final message in this series, and it's, it's bittersweet for me. I, I recollect that in pastoral meetings over the last few years with, with Chris, with Andrew, with Trav, maybe even with Fred and Greg in different meetings, uh, we've talked about the Holy Spirit a lot, that we want to see his presence and his power unleashed more fully in our church. We want to preach about it. We want to talk about it. Certainly this summer when Fred was leading us through a, a kind of a vision quest for our church, it was a big deal that one of our seven values became, you know, just clearly we want to be a spirit-filled church. That was part of our history uh, when we came from SGMs that were reformed and charismatic. And so I was super excited when we were able to launch this series uh, on January 28th. And I, I will never forget that date, January 28th, because Roger Federer won the Australian Open. But also because we were... Sorry, Bob. But also because we got to start this series. And, and it was just exciting to finally get there. And we've... In this series, we've, from my, you know, I'm preaching a lot of it, so it's, it's really ingrained in me. I'm not expecting you guys to have the data collections that I've got. But we've talked about his deity, his purpose in glorifying the Lord Jesus. We've talked about his gifts, all miraculous gifts, whether we call them miraculous or not. They're all miracles of his grace, his power for ministry. Over the last three messages before today, we've, we've talked about God saving souls from judgment. Um, I've had, I've heard about stories during those three particular series where folks have come up and, you know, with tears in their eyes or unbeknownst to them, we're, we're talking about things that they're specifically grappling with in their personal lives about whether or not to come to Jesus or struggling to come to Jesus. Um, it's been neat to see the prophecy mic being used uh, more increasingly. Uh, we've had special accompaniments to the series. We, we've had a book from uh, from J.D. Greer called Jesus Continue to Carry Along with Us. At the beginning of the series, we sold 90 copies or so of that book. And so to be able to hopefully see many care groups follow along with the sermons and hopefully seek to cultivate more of his ministry there as we begin to put up questions after each Holy Spirit series for care groups to follow. I hope that's been an experience you've enjoyed, Lord willing. We've had special prayer and worship ministry nights with Marshall Stoy, with Robin. I mean, not, I want to count mighty men, but it was so wonderful to see so many of you come to those at the Stoys and at the Coleman's house. They were just wonderful nights of meeting the Lord we had a special season of prayer and fasting to accompany the series. We've seen some miraculous healing in our midst during the series. Bob, how's your colorblindness? Still cured. Um, I think I heard about a couple of other, some ministry to, to a couple of other folks. Um, we've seen some personal stories up here. Folks come up in the midst of sermons to, to just talk about their, their relationship with the Holy Spirit, leading them in, in evangelism. So it's been for me just a huge pleasure and a privilege to go through this series in our church. I hope it's blessed you. And I was thinking through the idea of closing the series and thinking again, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. And then I thought as I've been preparing the message, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, we're not saying goodbye to the Holy Spirit, Albert. Like, you know, I mean, how bittersweet do I want to get? This is, this is the Holy Spirit. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be implicit or explicit in everything we do all the time. And that's, that's really central to the whole point of this series. He is in you and he's not going anywhere. He is, he, you might remember one of the first things we said about the Spirit when we began this series is that he is the active presence of God Almighty in every true child of God who will, as Jesus promised, be with us to the end of the age. Be with us forever. And in, in, I think it's John 15. Uh, he's the central agent right now of God's power and presence in our heart every day. 
Jesus went up to the Father to send him down so that the spirit of Jesus could live in our hearts every moment, residing in us. And he desires to be known in his presence and in his power through our lives. He is Jesus continued, the living spirit of God united with our spirits. And so for this final message, I wanted to just briefly revisit some of the major fundamentals that we've discussed so that we can have maybe more fully reinforced or ingrained on us how we can position ourselves and make ourselves ready and inviting for him to fill us afresh consistently again and again to make his presence and his power known to us. These fundamentals are really simple. They are, you're not going to hear anything new today. Uh, that's almost never what uh, Christians who've been taught for a long time need. They almost never need new things. They need the true things made to feel new in them again and afresh. And I hope that's what just going through some fundamentals will do. And there there really are fundamentals. You know, I, I thought about the analogy of when you go to the doctor, they always do the same thing, no matter what you have. If you have like a wart that needs removal or you have like half your brain missing, they always check your weight. They check your blood pressure. They check, you know, your pulse. And, and those are the fundamental things, you know. I mean, if, if there's something wrong there, if there's something missing there, we, we want to stop. And we want to, we want to, before we do anything else, we want to make sure that you're, you're breathing, <laughs> your pulse is okay. And so, if these things are in place and growing in us, then I, I think there's a good shot that we're, we're healthy and we're growing with God. And if there's some significant issue in the things we're talking about today in our lives, then, you know, it's a good place to reflect and say, Lord, w- what's going on in here? How do I need to reflect and repair? So I've kind of put today's message really in the theme of the whole title for this series, which was the Holy Spirit, his presence and power. So I'm kind of thinking of two buckets, his presence and his power. Okay, you cannot obviously finally separate his presence and and his power. But for the sake of this message, when I say presence, I'm especially referring to what is happening in our heart and in our own individual experience as, as as an effect of his influence on us. We might think in terms of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, etc. And when I refer to the Spirit's power, I'm thinking more in terms of the Spirit's work, his effect on others through us. Uh, we might think in terms of gifts and evangelism, which is exactly what we're going to talk about as we, as we hit that. So, before we do anything else, we talk about, before we hit the Spirit's presence and his power, let's ask for his presence and his power to be with us in a unique and special way so we can get something out of today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Lord, I pray that by your grace, your people will not walk out of this message just hearing facts. And as Andrew put it so well, just data, a ledger sheet, math, intellectual truth removed from your person. I pray we would not hear intellectual truth, theology removed from your person, but that it would be, Lord, not just hearing things about you, but it would be experiencing you. It would be hearing you. Hearing you spiritually, your spiritual voice into our spiritual ears that we might be spiritually changed. That's what we're after, Lord. That's why your son died. That's what we need so much. And that is what we were unable to do in our natural faculties. To hear you and to be changed by you. It's not in our power. 
But we thank you that Jesus died and laid down his life and sent his Holy Spirit for that very thing, that we could know you, experience you, and be changed by you. And so in his holy name, on his infinite eternal sacrifice, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us and to change us again today. He is worth this prayer. He is worth your answer to this prayer. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Spirit's presence. Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you. Upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. This psalm and many like it tell us something so fundamental and so important about the Holy Spirit. And his purpose for us. God is to be experienced. God is a relational God who is to be known and treasured and experienced and hungered for and desired. We want, we are long to, we were made to want to subjectively feel and sense God's love, God's personal being, God's glory, God's holiness. Much of the suffering in this life for the child of God is the, the unfortunate but certain reality of for seasons short and long, lacking a sense of that relational connection with God, that touch of his presence that we were made to be satisfied by it for eternity. And in this fallen world, even believers struggle to feel and sense that. But that's what we were made for. His nearness. And not just his nearness, but to see him becoming the, the agent of change to make us like him. That we might begin to see in ourselves his very character, his holiness, his fruit coming out of us. That the children want to be like the father. And in our series, we've called this often his presence. We want his presence. We want to experience his presence. We always have his presence. It's one of the things I love about that song, Holy Spirit. They do a good job in in saying in one part, let us become more aware of your presence. I love that they didn't say, let us have your presence. It's just a tiny thing, but it's so crucial because his presence is always with us, whether we feel it or not. But Lord, we want to become aware of it. We want to feel it. And, and going back to these bread and butter foundational, not surprising meat and potatoes ways. There's three ways I want to call out here about how we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number one, or, or letter A, we retrust in the gospel. We trust the gospel and we retrust in the gospel. This is why one of our other values is that we're a gospel-centered church. 
start this with a just tiny anecdote. Very recently, I was praying with someone. And on this particular morning, I felt so spiritually dry and so spiritually weary. I felt distant from God. I didn't feel hope. I had a vague sense of condemnation. And as I listened to my brother pray, he began to proclaim the truth afresh of how our relationship with God does not depend on what we do. It does not depend on our performance or our quiet times, on our faithfulness, but on Jesus Christ and his faithfulness and what he's done. And just as he said those words, the ice in my heart began to melt. And in seconds, I could sense hope, like a green shoot pushing through, a snowy field pushing through. And I know many of you experienced that. Many of you, I remember it having a conversation with you, Mark, just a few months ago, where you were brought to tears as you tried to talk about how much the gospel meant to you, that you need to hear it again and again. And in that morning, I literally felt like all the difference in the world was being made in my heart because the simple truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ was being shown into my heart again. This is the foundation, maybe foundation one for experiencing the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit is remembering the gospel. Do you remember the case of the foolish Galatians that we went over many months ago? The Galatians had crushed the flow of the Spirit's presence in their lives because they were crushing the truth of the gospel. And Paul says to them in Galatians 3, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, in brackets, for you. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by your performance, or by hearing with faith about Jesus? And what he has done for you. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Jesus saved you. But was just was that a part time salvation? Now is it all up to you? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the spirit to you. And works miracles among you. Do so by works of the law. Or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham. Believed in God. He believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's how he got forgiven. That's how he got justified. Belief in Christ Jesus for our sins, crucified for our sins. All of them is the only way one is accepted and forgiven and declared righteous in God's sight. It is the legal note of adoption that ushers in the personal relationship that follows. The Galatians had abandoned this truth and they had crushed the spirit's presence because of that. I know in this room, for almost all of us, we likely don't explicitly deny the gospel here. But how often have we unawares hampered his healthy flow into our lives but by slowly and subtly but surely making his love and acceptance of us conditional on our performance instead of Christ's blood only? How often do we do that to others That might sound humble, but it is really valuing the worth of our lives above the weight of Christ's life. It's another way of saying what we do matters more than what Christ did. When we sentence ourselves to condemnation, not because God is convicting us of real sin that we're trying to run away from, but we're just slowly taking upon ourselves to be the atoning factor between us and God. 
And essentially we're saying when we ignore or, or just push away the gospel, we're saying what we do matters more than what Christ did. My sin, my character flaws are too big. And God will oppose that kind of, of measuring. God will oppose those kinds of weights until we come back to him and say, no, no, what Jesus did is much more important than what, what I'm doing. What he did to save me is much greater than what I'm doing to fail. And I've got to keep the weight of glory in the right place. And if we're to protect our experience of his presence in our lives, we must trust and retrust the gospel. Moving on to B, we trust his word. In the same way in w- that the gospel promotes the spirit's flow, so it's true for all of God's word. Several times you guys have heard from up here, John Piper's wonderful illustration, I, I can't think of a better illustration, of the spirit-empowered faith that, that gives us strength. He says, the connection between the Holy Spirit and you, the connection between the Holy Spirit and you is the word of God and faith. They are like socket and plug. When the plug of your faith goes in the socket of God's word, the spirit is flowing. When the plug of your faith goes in the socket of God's worth, God's word, the spirit is flowing like electricity into a lamplight. The hearing and the understanding of the very words of God is fundamental to experiencing his presence. And we talked about this before. The understanding of words is at the core of every single friendship, every single relationship we have. Right? It's no different with God. He speaks in and through his word. We cry out to him in prayer. But this interchange happens through the same spirit who gave those words to those prophets who wrote them thousands of years ago. Jeff Perswell said it this way. The word of God gives expression to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The word gives expression to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, that doesn't sound as glamorous, you know, as, as the words we might hear in the morning or the prophecies we might get during worship or care group or in our own quiet times. But when you think about God's word, we're not talking about self-improvement through correct theology. This is God the person mysteriously and spiritually speaking anew and afresh through his written word. He takes what was written thousands of years ago and he, as we said at the beginning of this message, he makes it alive again. And that happens through the Holy Spirit's power. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Listen to how not cold, not theologically perfect without relational emphasis, this verse says. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. And so if we're going to hear the voice of the Lord well and sense his presence as we're meant to, not just with emotion, but with an emotion that's rooted in truth, because God likes emotion. He wants it rooted in truth, though. We must not neglect the truth. We must not neglect God's word. There are all kinds of voices inside our minds and out in the world that seek to lead us one way or another. And sometimes those voices are the voices of the Holy Spirit working through impressions or working through other people. Andrew did a great message on that. But the Holy Spirit living inside us 
will open our spiritual ears to hear his voice through the word which exists outside us. Did you understand that? The Holy Spirit inside us will open our spiritual ears to hear his word. And it will be confirmed by his word which exists outside us. Every voice we hear to know whether it's from God or not, it needs to be filtered through the voice of his holy word as we perceive it in his Bible. And as we perceive his character that the Bible points to. And I can hear something, an impression or a word from somebody, and I can say, is this confirmed by who God is as the Holy Spirit has helped me understand him in the word of God? It's not just about math. Like, does this equal this? Is this approved by the Committee on Holy Spirit Interpretation? The word of God has to convict us and, and, and bring these truths, whether they're, they're from something we're reading in the scripture for us or they're what, what somebody says. The Holy Spirit has to do that convicting. But he does it always in keeping with who God is in his very word, in the written word of the Bible. That's why he gave it to us. And so we must seek to put our faith in his promises in the word and his warnings in the word. And as we fight to put our trust in what he has made plain, he will fuel our hearing and our following through his Holy Spirit. As we fight to put our trust in what he has made plain in his word, he will fuel our hearing, our spiritual hearing, and he'll fuel our following through the Holy Spirit. So that whether it's in the, the written word of God, always true, or it's, it's an impression that comes from someone, we'll be able to hear and we'll be able to follow by his spirit. Which brings us to see the next, in the bin of, of his presence, the next item. We experience God's presence as we follow the Spirit's leading. As we follow the Spirit's leading through obedience, spiritual disciplines, etc. But this is one of these great truths that came more alive for me through this series. That as we hold on to the gospel, the first thing we talked about, and as we keep to God's word, the second thing we talked about, the Holy Spirit is at work, invisibly and mysteriously, enlightening our minds, giving us wisdom and insight, but not just that. He is renewing and changing our very desires, our very affections, our very wants, so that more and more, as we hold to the gospel, as we seek him in his word, our desires are changing, our affections are changing, so that we want more of what God wants, and we feel power to do what God wants. Coming back to Galatians 5, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying the Spirit of God works actual desires in us. Actual affections for God. Actual want-tos motivated by a desire to love and please Jesus, which becomes a desire to love other people. They are his desires, but they become our desires through the invisible work of the Holy Spirit inside us. Now, of course, we're not perfected yet. Sin still lives in us. You all know this. And so these new desires... And these old sinful desires, they throw down. They throw down bad. And we have to cry out to God in prayer. Oftentimes in desperation for his help and his strength to do what he wants. We lean on friends for help, for wisdom, for encouragement, for accountability, for correction. We 
At times, we even fast to make more room for his power. But ultimately, all of our obedience, it comes from the Holy Spirit living inside us, leading us through new desires. Paul put this together beautifully in Romans eight thirteen through 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's a beautiful promise. But if you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, create your own desires, your own affections, want God like you should want him, you will live. No, no, he says, that's why I gave you the Holy Spirit, buddy. Because that's not in you on your own to do. If by the Spirit, as he creates new desires, you hold on to the gospel, as you feed on his word, he creates new desires, you're going to live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He leads us by these new desires, these new affections. And so we protect and we nurture what Paul calls our fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as he calls it in the word. We nurture that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that presence of the Spirit of God through the gospel of grace, through putting our trust in God's word, and through following the Spirit's leading. Let's talk about the Spirit's power. The second bin. Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. One way we see his power at work in us is in the gifts he gives us. On Pentecost, all those gathered were filled with the Holy Spirit and they saw the gift of tongues come out in that room. Midway through this series, we spent several messages. Robin did a couple of those. We did a couple of those on this subject. And we spoke of the gifts he gives to his people. We talked about prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, mercy. The special gift of faith. We all have faith, but there are times where people are moved to just believe so certainly that there's almost an impossibility of doubt. We talked about miracles. Again, graciously, God to testify to us, provided some miracles during that time. And restoring Bob's normal sight to him. We talked about tongues, the ability to speak to God in languages we don't even know. We talked about interpretation of tongues, the ability to interpret those unknown languages and bring messages that can edify the entire body, not just those who have that gift, who use it privately in their devotional life. That was one of the big things that Robin did in that ministry night was he prayed for folks to receive the gift of tongues, to receive the gift of prophecy. And remember, in our series, we, we, we saw some basic foundational things about gifts from, from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. We all get gifts. God doesn't leave any of his kids without gifts. God decides who gets the gifts. And the gifts are for love. The gifts are for loving others, not lauding ourselves. And lastly, that we're all called to desire these gifts. They're not to be neglected. They're not to be held in contempt. Just because they can be misused, just because they're maybe hard to figure out. No, Paul says, you need to eagerly desire these gifts. But it's obvious, isn't it, that if we're going to use our gifts, we have to know what they are. I think we still have more work to do in this area. 
We'll talk about that, Lord willing, at the end of this message uh, or at the very end of the morning. But one theologian talked about learning how to figure out what your gifts are, and he set up this grid with all letter A's. And I, I think it's kind of neat, and I think it's, it's helpful, it's wise. He, he says, first, ask. Ask and keep asking for God to show you your gifts. Awareness, the second A. Be aware of what gifts are, what, what actual gifts are on the table. And be aware of people who've discovered their gifts and try to understand how did you figure out what your gifts were. Study passages and ask other people about their gifts and their journey in in understanding and embracing their use. Aspiration. God's a good God. He loves to give us what we desire when it's godly desires. So how would you like to serve God and others through the gifts he's given you? That's a pointer possibly to what gifts God has given you. Or what gifts that God's put on your heart to ask for, for more. Or maybe God's put on your heart to ask for a gift to be given to your church that he's not going to give to you, but he's going to give to somebody else. So that you can say, I, I need you, hand. I'm the eye. You're the hand. Activity. Try serving with gifts that you believe you might have or that you might desire. Just as we discover our natural talents by trying our hand at numerous things in the same way we can discover spiritual gifts by experimenting with available gifts. Look for opportunities to step out in faith and try to serve others with a gift you think you might possibly have. In our care group, Greg Wilson has done a good job of, of just giving different guys chances to lead discussions, chances to, to be more prominently effective or, or place to bring counsel to other people, to bring teaching to other people. Ability. Keep trying as ability increases with practice. Act, activity eventually points to ability. So don't presume that your personal evaluation, I don't have this gift, it's not working. It, it could be that, but keep going, keep trying. Look for opportunities. And lastly, affirmation. Where does God bless you and use you? As you've tried out different gifts, have you thought, I might have this gift, I'm going to try to use it. Has God blessed that? Has he, has he sovereignly placed you in situations informally or formally where that gift seems to be in use for you and being blessed by god do other people see that and affirm that all this stuff will be we'll send this out to you this week so don't feel like you got to write furiously if you're trying to do that a couple of takeaways for us corporately care group leaders are you making time for the prophetic gift in your meetings we went over this at one of our care group leaders meetings If you lead worship in a care group, are you slowing down to ask folks to wait on the Lord for words he might have through them? Prophecy is the gift we're talking about here. What's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 14, that's a real prominent gift that Paul exalts really above all the other gifts in his discourse as a gift he really wants to see unleashed in the church because it can edify so powerfully. I asked a few weeks ago from from the stage here, are you interested in seeking or using the gifts of prophecy and healing? Hoping to see God develop those gifts in you. Maybe gifts of miracles. If you are, I want to offer the invitation again. Please email Becca or myself. Because we're still trying to make some progress and putting together a small study on those gifts. So that we can have a a group of people here more regularly, more uh, confidently ready to, to serve the church with gifts of healing and prophecy, Lord willing. And if you feel like you're gifted that way, you don't have to wait. You can come down when we we call for ministry at the end of the service and and ask the Lord to make you available for others. But we'd like to help people develop maybe more confidence and discernment about those gifts. So please email me. Email Becca um, if you're interested in that. Thank you for those of you guys who have. Lastly, in the bin of God's power, prepare and share. we've, We've spent the last three messages of this series talking about 
sharing the gospel. Talking really about being equipped by the Holy Spirit for evangelism. Going back to Acts 1.8. The Lord Jesus said, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And as I was studying this passage, preparing for this message, I thought about a similar passage, the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28. And there Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm, I'm breaking it up a little bit. Make disciples. I'm with you even unto the end of the age. And I, I thought about if you just do a tiny bit of Columbo work on, on, on these two passages, for those of you who are maybe not um, super young, Columbo, um, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, he's a detective. Okay. So if you do a little bit of detective work, I could have saved a minute right there. If you do a little detective work on these two passages, you're going to see just some commonality that's, that's pretty neat. So what's common between these two passages? Well, there's the call to share Jesus. There's the call to share Jesus Christ, the gospel. In Acts, it's witnesses. It's witnessing about me. In Matthew, it's make disciples of me. And we also see there's power from God. In Acts, it's power. It's dunamis. It's that little word that just means dynamite. <laughs> You're going to get power. In Matthew 28, it looks like authority. I've got everything under control. I am all-powerful. And then lastly, it's the presence of God to be with us. In Acts, the Holy Spirit upon you. You will not be alone. I will be bringing my power and my authority as you seek to share me. And in Matthew, it's I am with you forever, up until the very end of the age. And so what's coming between these passages is this, this call to share the Lord. This power promised from God in sharing the Lord. And this commitment, not just for impersonal power like the force, but the very person of God to be with you. Ending where we started. The very presence of God, right? That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. It's not just about power or learning information. It's about the very presence of a personal God who's died to make himself your dad, to make himself your brother, to make himself your never-leaving friend. So what Jesus is saying here, I believe, in Matthew and Acts, is that when we give ourselves to seeing other people saved from hell and brought to Jesus, we are promised his very heart. We are promised the presence of his very heart, his eternal, almighty heart. That's what he came to do, is to save people from going to hell. That's what he cried over Jerusalem for. That's what he hung on a cross for. And when we engage in that mission, it draws him to us, near to us. And he places his person, his presence, and his power into that situation. And so that's my, my final call, just to echo what we've talked about for three messages, is brothers and sisters, be prepared. Be prepared. We may not all be called to go out with Bob every Tuesday night. I hope that more of us would engage in personal evangelism like Bob does, whether it's with Bob. By the way, well, I'm just super grateful, Bob, that you do that and, and the people who go with you. But at your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhoods, don't leave it to Bob and his friends. <laughs> be prepared. You're, we're all called to be prepared. 
I keep holding this resource up. This is a great resource. It has strengthened me to just to go over this. I've been able to give it to other people. Waitresses, my dad, just say, look over this. This is the fundamentals of the gospel. It's true. It's be prepared. Well, I don't want to end this series, (laughs) but we have to stop. But the Holy Spirit's not going anywhere. He is with us forever, and that's why he came. So it has been an absolute joy to walk through this study with you guys. It has been uh, just a highlight of my whole pastoral ministry, if not my life. Um, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll, ta- we'll see where God takes us together in, in, uh, in the next weeks to come. And super excited for Kurt next week. Um, there were a couple other things I think I wanted to share, but I'm going to pray about that during the singing time and maybe come back to close with those things. But, but let's pray. Let's ask the band to come back up and let's thank God for his presence and his power.